You are listening to All Things Cosmic Philosophy, Science, Art An extension of the Center for Process Studies The podcast for the people Pursuing the common good I'm your host, John Ivan Gill Along with Andrew Davis Open the door, come on in Great conversation. Yo, peace. Good day. Good Monday to y'all. This is John Ivan Gill, Cross Community Coordinator at the Center for Process Studies. Good to have you on All Things Cosmic along with Andrew Davis. We welcome you to this podcast of philosophy, science, art, and much more because we do a whole bunch more. But yeah. Well, You've had some really good episodes this season, too, thanks to Sequoia Hayes, who was on the last episode, who shared some wonderful things about her work and how she integrates the common good with social justice, yoga and collage art. So I know you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't heard it, make sure you check us out on Spotify and on SoundCloud, Center for Process Studies on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and check out all things cosmic and anywhere where great podcasts are held. Good stuff. Well, we are back once again, and we have a dynamic episode for you today. But before I get into that episode, one quick announcement. I want to say thanks to all of those who attended the Intersections um, six-week series discussions on Armand Hammer and DZ Phillips. We had some really great conversations around both of these thinkers' works. Well, I should say both, all three of these thinkers' work as Armand Hammer is two people and Phillips is one person. So it was really great. And we're gonna be doing more intersections soon. So make sure you check out and stay tuned to the Center for Process Studies, CTR, the number, the number four, process.org to keep abreast of when the next intersection will be. And also, for those of you who want to write at the accessible intersection of theology, art, and justice, make sure you find out about Novel Adventures, which is a series edited by myself and Khaled Keith Perry of Boston College. And we're looking for some great work that engages the intersection of theology and the arts and justice in some really provocative ways that pro- that push action toward the common good. So you can also find out information on centerforprocess.org about that as well. So keep that in mind. Still accepting applications, still accepting submissions, I should say. And now we come to it. We have an amazing episode for you today. We have my good friend, the one and only Rupa Pillai, who is, along with one of my good friends, (laughs) a senior lecturer of Asian American Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Trained as a cultural anthropologist, she's interested in the intersection of race, religion, and migration. Her dissertation, Caribbean Hinduism on the Move, is the culmination of 15 months of ethnographic fieldwork with the growing Indo-Caribbean American community in New York City. Through this research, she explores how this community adapts and mobilizes Hinduism 
in the second migration, first from the Indian subcontinent and second from the Caribbean, to carve a space for themselves within the social landscape of New York City. So we're going to have a great conversation with Rupa. It's been a while since we got to talk and we always have a great time when we see each other at AAR, the American Academy of Religion annual meeting where we met. And yeah, we just going to do what we do. So tune in and soak up the wisdom that Dr. Palai has for you all. And before we get into that, we're going to have a music feature by St. Peter based and St. Peter's own, the Ericsons, who are sisters Bethany Valentini and Jenny Kaepernick. Um, they have several projects and several songs, which you should definitely check out. Um, we're going to be going to their 2013 album, which is called The Wild. And we're going to be listening to a song called Gone Blind. Not even the album version, but a version they did on Minneapolis's 89.3, The Current. So sit back and enjoy the beautiful sounds of the Ericsons and we'll get to Dr. Palai in just a minute. Peace.
seconds in the days I count the seconds for it You know, I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Because yeah. you you've been there for like what three years now? More than that. Like this is the start of my fifth year. That. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like um, they they did the work to get me a new contract because I overstayed my welcome, like I do. <laughs> Thankfully, they recently, uh, did ask me to exit. They're like, we we could keep you around for a bit longer. So, um, that's <laughs> and it's cool to see this. Like, um, I remember the first semester I was teaching here, um, and it was like two classes. Both classes had enrollment of four students, and mm. um, one of those classes I'm teaching again um, this fall, and it's like fully enrolled, and I'm already starting to get those. Um, emails about like you know you know how students do which i really love like explaining what this class means to them and how it's so important to them but also because it's like a i'm teaching in the ethnic studies kind of department it's also about how this course is going to help them understand who they are and define them <laughs> which i'm like kind of but also we're not really going to do that kind of work like you you might and i hope it inspires you to do that but i don't i don't know if i'm gonna like help you find yourself like yeah right because <laughs> what does that even mean yeah that becomes interesting i'm like maybe i'll help you start asking those questions and having long conversations but no i'm not gonna help you find yourself <laughs> But, right, yeah. right. Yeah. 
good stuff. Yeah. Really, 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 really good. And did you make it down to um, this way or to Texas this summer or no? Or were you just in I don't know. Philly? I did both for some period of time. Not a whole lot of time in California, but more in Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was good. Okay. Um, my dad and my sister are doing well, which is nice. So excellent. Yeah. Excellent. You know, like we're, we're, we're making it work and doing all those things. Um, but I definitely know I don't want to travel that much anymore with the pandemic. It's just pain. So. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. It's yeah. I mean, you know, there was time I didn't do anything. I just stayed in my house for like two years. Like, I mean, I mean, I went to the grocery store and came back. Like, <laughs> it's just like I'm not going anywhere. So, you know, I mean, it's starting to change a little bit now. But you know, with 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 things popping, I mean, I have to be used to. I have to be careful. So I'm still kind of cautious about what I do. You know, so yeah, and it, you know, like it's important to do that. But I also think we all need like a big adjustment, like to what we are expecting of society as we're starting to transition back. I think we have too high of a hope of what it's gonna look like and too high of an expectation. So, you know, I found myself even kind of, you know, having those moments where I'm expecting way too much of people and also um, thinking things need to be like beautiful because this is the first time I'm leaving my place to do something. No, no. Like it's the first time everyone's starting to leave the place to do things. Um, people are struggling to make it ends meet. Um, yeah. It's hard to work right now, especially because people are being asked to do the jobs of so many other people, and all customers are horrible people, like just jerks mm -hmm. to um, um, everyone. So it's you know we need a little bit more kind and kindness and consideration of each other right now um and i'm not seeing it like i've just seen a lot of nasty behaviors that kind of really had me turned off on society at the moment wow wow it's yeah i can only imagine i mean i've seen some of it too and you know usually i see it when i cross into california i i, I you know I, I don't see much of it here <laughs> you know um you know but um, but oh man, you know, as as Jim Morrison would say, people are strange. <laughs> you know, people are certainly strange. They are so strange. They really are. Yeah, yeah. It's some. It's something else. But you you feel like people are um more considerate um in Mexico. Yeah. Very, very much so. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes if you're in a grocery store and, there's an, and something may happen with um, the register where, you know, the, you know, the cashier kind of having an issue. No, no, nobody ain't saying nothing. They just start talking amongst themselves and that's it. I mean, sometime on the other side, you see, oh, man, why don't you hurry up? And all this came. People started. Oh. Like, man, just leave the person alone. They something happened like but 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 here. And I mean, mm -hmm. I would say same thing in Belize too. I, when I'm when I'm, okay. when I'm there, I don't really see that either, you know. But I mean, this is just my experience with it. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't, you know, it's it's just totally different. So, yeah, yeah. makes sense. But it's you know, maybe it's a Mexican thing. Maybe it's also a neighborhood thing. Like I I do um, since being back in Philadelphia, um, I live in Center City, which is soulless part of the city. <laughs> 
Like don't, don't, if you're moving to Philadelphia to live, don't live in Center City. That's not where you should live. So there's like no character, there's no sense of neighborhood, no sense of like real responsibility or you know general welfare for people. So it sucks. Like people right. are portable to each other. But if you go to search oh, other neighborhoods like um, West Philadelphia, I've got a good neighborhood five. South Philadelphia, which, you know, I think I've kind of fallen fall in love with that neighborhood at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. People's is people's. Like, you know, it's a slower pace. People are a little bit more considerate. Not saying uh-huh. that you're not going to have a bad experience at some time, but it's just of more consideration, I think. Right. Right. Okay. Well, shoot. Let me let me know then then we'll go there. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go hang out there. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, yeah, let's kind of, yeah, it's a neighborhood that I'm trying to start to do like, um, more, um, work in the city and like try to get myself more established now that I've been here for mm-hmm. so long. Um, right, right. And so like, that's the, the neighborhood I've, um, started to do that work. So, hanging out a little bit more and it's got a very interesting um history especially um with asian americans because right now um the main commercial um, street is primarily southeast asian Mm, um businesses so like yeah like when you come to visit philly go get like and like low food and like check out the scene there because it's fascinating and um, seeing all the different businesses dope, dope, like dope. the impact of refugee migration but then also just seeing these like touch points of mm-hmm. like the different um collisions of communities that are present with like um you know the old italian <laughs> um neighborhood feels still kind of there in some, certain areas like um, I think within like right. five blocks of where the, the refugees are is like, um, this park that has a statue of Christopher Columbus and during the pandemic residents like gu- guarded it with guns because they didn't want it to go down like Rizzo went down. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, like, I, I think that's what I like about Philly. You, you got these pockets of really fascinating communities, but they're right next to like older, you know, racist histories right so yeah. right right yeah the dichotomy of of existence like you know and people don't sometimes understand why that would be offensive to someone else and it's like you know i mean i i mean i say it all the time i mean you know i see a u.s flag as offensive it's very offensive to me you know, just, I mean, just, the, you know, it's like, yeah, so let alone a statue of Columbus, like just, you know, a symbol that people sometimes say is a symbol of justice for people who look like us. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I personally just don't see it that way. And then people are like, oh, how could you not? How could you, how could you not? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's, yeah, we got to figure out that conversation because that's where the fight is right now because we're so at these like extremes there's so many like people that are like why why does the american flag fear you why does christopher columbus why is he like racist what do you mean native americans own this land 
Right. <laughs> I don't. I. I, I don't know because we're we're not at a place where we, we can meet in the middle to explain each other's perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, and people don't even want to engage an idea that's different because because they're so caught up. Many people are so caught up with well, this is just the way things are. So how dare you present a counter narrative? You know. And and a, a counter narrative that in many ways is more accurate than 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 and the one that, you know, it's, yeah, this is oh man, it's, huh. <laughs> it, it's a but, lot. Um, I don't know if it makes me feel better, um, but the realization that this is not an issue unique to America, but this is something that's happening across the world right now, like. These extremes are ever present in different nation states. And mm -hmm. we're at this like, you know, big point for a lot of people um, in terms of who's leading the government, what types of violence is potential. And it, it, it does get down to this thing of like, how do we have this conversation? How can I actually understand how someone can adopt such an extreme? and be willfully ignorant about it and fail to acknowledge the lack of evidence to like support that perspective. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, those conversations are, yeah, how, how do you start them? You know, it's, it's, it's because how, how do you start them without the person you're speaking to just writing you off as crazy? You know, how, how do you like it's 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 oh, man, because systems systems reinforce all of that. You know, I watch speaking, speaking of other speaking of other places. Um, I watch these days a lot of series from Spain, some from Colombia, some from England. Um, and, you know, even the way though, the way that the way that certain types of certain types of normalcy are are you know situated within daily discourse and just oh you know well oh th th that person is el moro so there's this connotation about them that it doesn't have to be said but okay well this will will this person you know from the islamic occupation of what, what is now Spain, therefore, there are these undertones of well, these people are outside of this. They are, they are part of the society and they, and they predate a lot of what's here, but they're outside of it, you know? And just, and just this is one of several things that, that, that you see. And it's like, damn, this shit is, and it becomes a question, I think of language, you know, all, all, all the time, you know? These things we've utilized as liberating languages, are they, are they liberating? You know, I mean, when we talk about utilizing certain oppressive concepts for justice, you know, race being one, yeah. gender being one, you know, mm -hmm. um, national identity, you know, when these are militarized for the purposes of revolution, can they be revolutionary because they are intrinsically part of empire? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's you know, I think it's, it's um, like this is a conversation that um, a lot of people are having, right? Like we're seeing this with the discussion around critical race. Um, also, this is um, an even more salient conversation happening in these studies right now, the ways that the language we use to talk about things and like um, the perception of something being like progressive, like woke language being utilized 
by um, the other side, if you will, right? Um, and effectively utilize, especially when um, you are dealing with these people who are immersed in, for example, like what is Hinduism and like um, all of the stuff that's emerging with like Hindutva and like progressive Hinduism, what does all of that mean? You have that conversation happening maybe in the U.S. context um, and people who are not aware of the long histories that inform the way that um, Hinduism is formed and politicized fail to understand when um, something is actually antagonistic and discriminatory, right? So when we see um, the current efforts of um, getting caste to be recognized as um, something that the United States needs to like acknowledge as something that people get discriminated against in various different fronts, it's become so hard to do so because people of color like hate on other people of color. No, that's that can't happen. And just seeing how um, that all plays out and trying to figure out how to um, bring a, an, an outside community into this conversation so that they can understand how they are participating in the disenfranchisement and discrimination of a marginalized community in a marginalized community is, is so complicated and messy and um, fraught with this like appropriating of, you know, progressive language and decolonization. So it seems like they're, they're saying the right stuff, but um, in reality, they're utilizing it to like promote something that isn't. Um, and who has the right to like do that education? I'm not sure. It's very messy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best word for it. It's, you know, in a nutshell, it's messy. It's just, it's, it's a room that's never been cleaned up. It's, it's, it's a room that's impossible to clean up because every time you say, okay, well, this can go here. Nah, but I don't got enough room to put this here. Then, well, I have to keep all this stuff in here, but how do I arrange it? And then you just, and you just wind up not doing anything. Like, you're like, oh, okay, let's just, <laughs> let's just be done, you know? And, I don't think either you or I see that as an option, um, but it's it doesn't mean that it's not confusing. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, right. Yeah. And it's and there's no black and white, right? Like I, if we can all get to a point of recognizing the world is not black and white, maybe we have hope. I don't know. <laughs> I'm such a Debbie Downer today. <laughs> right. <laughs> the world is blowing up. Right, right. It's like ah, just you know, hey, we can be it's all good. Like, all things cosmic is a room for you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of my days in pessimism. You know, not that I'm not optimistic, but mm -hmm. I engage pessimism a lot because it's like if we're not fucked we're fucked because what, what, what do you what do you do what do you what do what what is you know every turn it's it's like okay well you thought that was liberating but no that's really oppressive too or that seemed to have a ray of light but that's actually just another corner of uh, another chasm of darkness you know i mean and you know and yeah yeah i don't know i don't know 
but oh, hey, it's know, it's one of the things. <laughs> like, so uh, one of the, the conversations I got to have with my students last fall, which I adored that we finally did, was talking about um, what does success yeah. actually look like, right? Which is a big fun oh. question to um, ask of my students here at Penn. Um, everyone, you know, is gonna probably have like a six-figure salary. They're gonna be doctors. They're gonna be lawyers. Work at you know McKenzie, Goldman Sachs. Like um, success always seems to be about like monetary um, ideas of getting you know the corner office, having like six cars and a mansion um but maybe it's something about the pandemic which i do like that about the pandemic mm -hmm. it got them to like open up to really think about like really is that success like what should be the metrics of success how should we like measure that and then also this other question of like when like what should be this goal like in life like is it about acceptance of something or is it more about like constantly being slightly dissatisfied so you're always trying to change things for the better i don't know but um it was cool that um they started to like have ask those questions and like think through that a little bit more because yeah we we do need <laughs> we do need a little bit of pessimism and optimism you don't want to go to the extremes of either but it's essential to have both to kind of um reevaluate um what what satisfaction or what the good life might be right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i mean even even in terms of this whole balance thing you know i mean you know aristotle's golden mean to even use this even use this language of you know the good life is like look well the good life is balance you know is 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 not this extreme it's not this is not this far thing and not this close or not this you know mm -hmm. um in terms of something like um speaking out for an injustice you know there 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 there's something that we can do some things we can't what is the medium of what we can do and even like success you know and maybe you're and i'm sure i'm your student talked about successes you know a relative thing you know and you know success as well it looks and th 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 this is something we see a lot in um in in independent art scenes where mm -hmm. you know success is not to necessarily be on tv with jay-z peace you know a peace peace if you're there but success as well can i make fifty thousand six six sixty thousand bucks a year doing my art or maybe less than that if i need it or whatever i need you know can because is that success have to be in a certain Format. And yeah, and many times pursuing, as you were saying, these these five, six cars, the so-called American dream, which is really which is which is really a scary nightmare, as you know, as uh, mm -hmm. Malcolm told us. It's like, well, uh, doing that, if everyone did that, what kind of world would we have? Because not everyone's going to be able to do that anyway. So what so what does it mean to look at success as this thing where in this in this day and age and sometimes mm -hmm. where the only thing that's changed in some ways is is what people look like who may have achieved it you know and yeah so it's it's interesting it's very interesting it reminds me i don't know if you've been having this conversation with um 
parents generation like i've been hanging out with a lot of like 60 to 70 year old they're just my crew they're my people i was late today because i was having lunch with a seven year old woman amazing woman nice right um nice. yeah they, they have some, some thoughts and some great you know perspectives and i appreciate it and um you know i, I keep thinking of like you know like the kind of stuff that my dad would say the problem with your generation right like, <laughs> like <laughs> this this question right this like they're like what do you want what do you mean you want to have a deeper meeting in life <laughs> get a job right have a, right. Have a stable salary <laughs> if you're gonna have a family like you know have a family right raise those kids to like take care of everyone if you're older like that's it <laughs> One more, like, what's this question? Like, right. does your life have, why does your job have to fulfill you? <laughs> and like, um, college me would be like, gosh, what's wrong with these old people? Uh, now me. Yeah. Um, I'm like, you know what? Like, Part of that is, is, is true, right? Like, okay, yeah. there's some questioning that we all need to do of the way that we've taught. We've always need to. Like, when a generation yes. doesn't question the next, the previous generation, something's sure. gone wrong. Um, but, you know, to go back to that point about um, success, like, mm -hmm. and like the American dream, right? Um, and this, a lot of that's also tied to your job as your identity and like, your self-worth right no right right like right. um you should um how, how would i phrase this but um you should not live to labor but labor to love right and That's so right. getting to that point where uh you know figuring out like whatever that balance might be for you whatever you know marie kondo like brings you joy your life like focus on that like right um it doesn't like my job doesn't need to define me and do my everything hell no it just needs to be my insurance until we thank get that thank you thank you and this is and this is the whole thing and it's like you know yeah because my father would always say you know you can't eat title you, you you know you this <laughs> this and and that and, and that's the realest shit ever you know it's like yeah you know what what do you need to make it from day to day you know you know you don't need this you know because i think we talked about this at aar before how you know um you know and, and i mean i know your background is in, in, in anthropology but you know you're a religion scholar you you, you are a religion scholar as well you just outed me oh my gosh I can take that out the thing if you want. <laughs> I can take it out. Like that's, that's the beauty. Okay. Of, that's the beauty of pre-recording shit. <laughs> <laughs> you look my like dirty little secret out there. She's really a religious girl. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't commit to no discipline. Nah, no. <laughs> now that I'm a religious scholar, where are you going to like? Bounce out of like the AR and like do it. I have no idea. I don't know where to go. Oh my God. That's okay. <laughs> Derailed everywhere. <laughs> You'll deny this if you if someone sees you in public and ask you, but nah, I never said that. He just yeah. like he, he just put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fake podcast. Fake podcast. <laughs> and, it's, and it's wild because, you know, people actually do that stuff now with all those Instagram scams where they actually will, will, will put a voiceover of a friend that you know saying, I just got a million bucks doing cryptocurrency and you should do it. <laughs> I think what, what I find really interesting, okay. I'm just gonna like it. Like I, I love the fake real stories a lot. Like so, yes. Guilty pleasure watching catfish too much and like <laughs> enjoying all of these different stories of people getting fooled. But it it always amazes me, despite the fact that we now know that people constantly lies. There, there's like ways of manipulating everything. Um, mm -hmm. We very much want to believe in something. That's kind of is that just like what it means to be human? Like we really need some like sincerity and some like i have to believe in something right right i think so i think so and this is kind of this is kind of what sociology religion does right i mean mm -hmm. you know walk james well th th this is a function of humanity to look for these things to latch on to and some people may call it what we understand to be the so-called um you know very very problematic world religions mm -hmm. but it could be soca. I mean, it could be cooking. It could be sweeping the floor. It could be, what do you believe in that kind of makes this chaos have some kind of semblance of ways in, to make it ways in which you, you, you can move in it? So yeah, I think so. I think you're right. This uh -huh. is just, we just had that, it seems. Yeah. We just, we just need something, whatever right. it might be. Right, right. Which I guess also explains why we have so many odd duck that repair um right yeah you know it's it's very rarely do i meet someone that's you know full-on straightforward religious studies like right people are coming and um interrogating those types of things like why does a religion get deemed a religion and what is it that drives people and just a bunch of people who are, i think i find um kinship with trying to understand why someone can believe in something like mm -hmm. that's kind of cool um i don't know if i can trust in something that much but good for you and how do you do that Which right we all i do like as yeah. as a cultural anthropologist is ask that question over and over again like how right. do you be a human being <laughs> yeah hey that, that's the best way to say it though that that's that's so though how do you be a human being yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Where, was I, where, where was I even going with that? You were talking yeah. about um, AR. Let's see if we can we can find it. See if we can train a thought. Yeah, I. It was something having to do. We should have always listened to what our parents said. <laughs> right. Um, it, it was talking something. about sociology, religion. We don't went through a bunch of stuff. Let's see. What did we, where did, what did I, why did I bring that? <laughs> and I know, I know I was going somewhere. We're going hey. somewhere. I'm sorry. I keep thinking. No, I, no, it don't matter. You know, look, look, this is like, this is just a conversation, you know, you know, and you know, so it's, it's, it's all good. This is, this is what we do. Like, this is what we do, you know. I used not... to be so good at this. Like, I would be able to like go off on like one ramp and then come back to like pick it up. But now my memory <laughs> is going. Don't like I don't that. have that elephant memory that our parents' generation did. 
uh, I never wrote memorized anything. So I'm like, what was I just talking about? <laughs> Don't go off tangents because we have the name for you. Shit. Wow. And, and we sure did, but it's all good. Like it's it's because okay, so we're so we're, so uh, we're dealing with this smorgasbord of AAR. So I brought up that for I was talking about. Okay, well anyway, could you tell us a little bit about um, your work in cultural cultural anthropology anthropology and how it relates to religion? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely can do that because I'm still trying to figure it out, and I also find it very interesting. Um, I don't really know that much about Hinduism. I don't really know much about like religion, but I study religion. And so um, that was kind of the main reason I started going to AAR. So it was nice to see that there are a lot of religious studies scholars that are trained the same way that I am and think the way that I am. But I think at the end of the day, I'm mm -hmm. really just about trying to figure out people. And not so much like figure out people, like figure out what it means to be a human, but just to learn from people and have conversations. And so, um, you know, I'll talk to people about um, their relationship with religion. I think largely because um, that was a huge part of my upbringing in Texas. Um, of my difference was not only about being a racial minority, but also a religious minority if i could consider myself a religious person at that point and so um being otherwise through that was something that i wanted to make sense of and understand and i did that largely through cultural anthropology but going to religious studies helped me see that i could do that in religious studies um by just kind of emphasizing religion a bit more we do the same stuff um in terms of understanding why people are drawn to certain things, why people might use culture or religion to make sense of their surroundings and how it changes over time. Um, but I think the only difference with culture and apology is that, you know, when you get bored with religion or want to move away from religion because things get a little too personal or too political or too dangerous in some ways, like you can go do something else right um but you can also do that in religious studies right like the work that you've been doing um right with like arts and music right like that fits very well in the cultural anthropology that fits very well in ethnomusicology except they wouldn't be able to like handle the the religious studies or theological aspect of it which you know I hate to admit it, after how long we know each other, still don't have a great grasp of theology. <laughs> One day, the question I ask all theologians, like, what's up with this? I don't get it. But, like, for, for cultures of apology, like, you know, it's just having conversations with people um, and getting to understand how they got to be where they are and, um, how they started to think about those things and religious studies ask those same questions just in terms of religion spirituality or something that is of that persuasion of feeling right that's the only real difference i see between the two which might also prove why i'm not a good cultural anthropologist not a good religious scholar <laughs> 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 
I'm unemployable. There, there we go. <laughs> there we go back again to the balance, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the living in both. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do say that I know how to do ethnography and most other folk don't. But, you know, that's just because cultural anthropology trains that into me. But it's, right. really, it's really interesting what people will think ethnography is like. You know, I've met some religious studies scholars who are like, oh, yeah, I do ethnographic research. And it's like, oh, yeah, what do you do? And they're like, yeah, I do interviews. And it's like, that's not ethnography. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> it's not at all. No, no, no. Like, no. That may be a part of it, but that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> like you can do the interview, that's great, but but then you also you can be embedded and then you know have to be able to talk at, at, for thirty pages about a ridiculous detail and go into like the history and how it's like intrinsic about what makes some um, religion a religion or what makes um, a particular immigrant experience an immigrant experience. So that's where I get a little like pissed off, honestly. Like people are like, oh yeah, I do interviews, I do ethnography. You don't. You don't. You don't. Stop fronting. <laughs> Stop fronting. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because 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 your ethnographic work revolves around. Well, tell us about that. About your about your um your disc work and what you and and what you are gonna have like ten volumes on pretty soon that I just can't wait to share to my stu with my students. When is the book coming out? I don't want to read the book, but it should. Um, I <laughs> not that you need to, but I love it. <laughs> no, I know it's been too long. Who knows if I'll actually get to it or not? Um, I have had the great fortune of working with. Um, the Guyanese community in New York City. Um, sometimes you can also know them as Indo-Caribbean, um, and these are individuals of Indian descent who immigrated to the United States from the Caribbean. Um, largest population is in New York City, primarily Guyanese, uh, but there is also Trinidadians, Jamaicans, um, Surinamese, of Indian descent who um, live in the city, um, which is why we have this idea of like Indo-Caribbean. But um, to be more correct in who I've um, gotten the opportunity to learn from and to honor the various different ways that they want to identify, I think a great majority would prefer to be called Guyanese over Indo-Caribbean. So um, mm -hmm. I think I'll, I struggle a lot with trying to figure out um, how to um what what labels i should use to describe um the community i've worked with but um through the work i've gotten to learn about the various stories of migration of this community to new york city and um how they practice um various forms of hinduism throughout um different parts of the city mostly in queens um but there's great um Caribbean Hindu or Guyanese Hinduism happening in Brooklyn and, and the Bronx. Um, and they're not all doing the same kind of things, which helps us to appreciate that there's not one Hinduism, right? And also to appreciate that there's many ways of being Hindu in the United States. Um, there's many ways of being Indian in the United States. And there's many ways of being Guyanese, right? Um, and so I think if anything, the community has um, helped me to appreciate the politics of naming, right? And 
the politics of authenticity too, um, because I'm not Guyanese. Um, I guess you can say I'm Indian American, but I don't really um, identify with that. You know, just a girl from Texas who was very different from everyone else she grew up with. So um, <laughs> I, I guess you could call me Hindu, but you know, I don't do the Hindu things. Um, so I don't think mm -hmm. that's a fair um, label to apply to me and not something that I would identify myself. Um, but it was, it was and is amazing to have got to work with this community um, to also like deal with some of the questions that I've been like thinking about my entire life and seeing the commonalities between my experience in Texas as a token minority in a small city uh, versus um, their experience as a minority within a minority in a big metropolitan area and the similar but different experiences that we have and how their history of immigration to the Caribbean and to the United States is so central to how we understand what it means to be Indian, what we understand to be Hindu um, in the subcontinent, and then also in the United States. So if you don't think about the Caribbean, there's something wrong with you. That's my take, so. Bars, bars. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's fascinating. And I mean, I'm sure you've, I'm sh and what you're, what you're bringing up in your research, I think is very, very key is, you know, because in the Caribbean, the Caribbean um, or the area that we now call the Caribbean, you know, is a site of things that we now know as identities not taking the same shape they do in um, other contexts such as the U.S. Because because as you're as you're as you're bringing out, you know, um, a lot of times the primary identity is, well, I'm Guyanese, I'm Trini. I'm Jamaican. I am, you know, regardless of what someone else who looks at you may call, you know, this is what you know. Now, that that at the same time does not mean that your ancestry is not is not is not is not prominent, because I mean, for the way I look at it, how can one talk about Belize without talking about India? You have to. You have to. You know, how can one talk about it without talking about that? You know, you have to. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this. Um, there's this notion of naming this notion of identity it this is what you're looking at as a prime site that that can be applied to that but also applied to other contexts as well and 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 could serve as an archetype for looking at how we understand things that we're calling different because if you're going somewhere else well that person not going to see themselves as different as someone who may not look like them yeah you know so yeah it's interesting it goes back to like um, that point of it's messy. Like, <laughs> when can we all just accept like our past and our present is very messy, and our assumptions of like clear boundaries never exist is and is totally inaccurate, right? Like as you're pointing out with Belize, right? I think all of us have like if we visualize Belize, let's hope that most people know where Belize is and have some history of it. Like there's maybe a certain way that we see it and think about it, right? And it's so one-dimensional, right? Like there is so many different people who've always moved in the present and 
all of the Americas, right? But our perception of it is very flat, right? And so, you know, if we think, if we um, only think about like who is originally there and think about the white settlers who came in, don't think about the African experience, that's messed up. And if we don't think about the various ways that Asians are present throughout the Americas, right? Like we're missing a great big chunk of the story. And so mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. through my research, I really, um, you know, I've always had a fluid um, appreciation of boundaries and borders, but I think even more so now and trying to flip the way and flip the way that I think and rethink the ways that I have learned about all of these different places. And I think like doing um, this work in the Caribbean, which required a lot of like um, understanding the past, Mm -hmm. which again, another example of doing good ethnography, Mm -hmm. right? Um, People be like, oh, you've just been, you know, I do work with the contemporary um, moment, but you know, I had to make sure that I understood this history because every single time I spoke with someone and convinced them to give me time to do an interview, the first like 30 minutes to an hour was about reading about indenture. And I was like, no, 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 I, I've read the book. Like, I got it. I understand. Like, let's, let's move right. on to the, the stuff <laughs> I want to hear. Like, right, right, right. I'm here for a right. very small piece of time and I want to know what I need to know right now. I don't have time to hear your history because I already know that stuff. Like, I can tell you all of it, but it, that's not how it works. Like I, yeah. I get to uh, be humble and be given that humility to appreciate like this history is very important to the present. And it's not the history that I learned in the book. I need to hear it from them. And also I need to rethink the way that I learned that history and really start to see the ways that people are retelling that history in a more global sense. And so like, um, you know, this is why I kind of like where I'm situated right now. Never thought I was going to be in Asian American studies, but it was the the discipline I always needed when I was wearing my dissertation and didn't realize it. Asian American studies has been thinking about this for a while. And so the um, work of um, Lisa Lowe specifically of working through archives and seeing how um, we need to rethink the way that the archives are structured and appreciate the way that Asia and Europe are actually present in the Caribbean and how to like understand the, the flows back and forth between these spaces to completely understand um, right. what is happening and why we have such things as like Chinese Jamaicans or Indo-Guyanese or, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. Um, right. Because it's not the simple story. It's never been the simple story. and. Yeah. The more that we can recognize that messiness, um, the better we can have our appreciation of why there are certain tension points that persists um, amongst communities. And um, why even in that messiness, we have like more linkages than we might have thought of. Yeah. 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 That's profound. That's really, really profound. yeah, and and I and I mean I'm sure you've seen this when you were when you when when you were um a lot of you spoke about like you know Chinese Jamaicans or you know or or you know in, in Trinidadians or you know so, sometimes people outside of it like oh wow that's weird but but for for 
I know for me coming coming from a Caribbean father, I'm like, oh, this is just what's what's strange about that? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, this, this is just this is it's, and 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 sometimes I mean, you don't even necessarily think about it until someone points out, oh, that oh that person doesn't look like you, but but you're saying you're from the same, but 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 you're claiming the same nationality. You don't see anything weird about it. like no. No, no. This is this is. You know, it's like it's just like. I mean, you grew you grew up seeing that. You know, so it's yeah. like yeah, this is this is. It's what it is. Like you know, yeah, yeah. It's and 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 I'm and of course, and I'm sure you went through this as well. Not to mention that um that that someone be categorized a certain racial way in the U.S., but if you look at their answers, you, 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 you're going to find Spain and India. You, you're going, you, you're going to find Angola. You're, you're going to find Maya. Disney. You're going to find a bunch of stuff, but, but then they're like, oh, but that person, we're going to say they're X, Y, Z here. But, but, you know, but, but when we're told our answers, you're told, at least, at least from my father's side, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, Family came from here, came from there. Not yeah. that people know the full story, but I'm like, no, you know, well, you know, this is where your, your people came from, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think I think it's like a very fascinating moment, right? Like, um, with all the genetic testing too, right? That's been happening, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a lot of it's like over my head and like thinking about yeah. the cultural construction of like all the categories that get like your scientifically scientific proof that you're this, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. But we need to like make sure that we unpack the ways that these categories, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, what what I find really fascinating is the reconciliations that happen when you know you have this like story, right? That you were told about your family, about your lineage, mm -hmm. and then you go through like, the testing, right? And it reveals something, right? And so, um, it's 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 traumatic, right? Like to, mm -hmm. to recognize that there's like a disconnect between that, but then starting to explore why those disconnects are present. Like what was it um, about the context in which your family was present that a certain narrative had to emerge, right? What was mm -hmm. happening in society that resulted in the hiding of that, or you know, why um, a, a certain part of your family got lost, right? Right. Um, and so these um, kinship narratives that we have that become so intrinsic about who we are, like, you know, being like able to say, oh, I'm 100% Indian. Um, you know, I am, I, I practice Hinduism in its most ancient form, right? Um, those are fascinating. Um, less about like the past but more about why you need to have that for yourself today um and how did that kind of thinking emerge right like and i think if anything it often is the product of um discrimination that happened in a society right or in the need for that kind of um uber i am as indian as it can get like i'm gonna bleed curry right if you cut me right <laughs> Like, <laughs> this is as authentic as it can be, but it's never that, right? Like, um, as you were saying, like, our, our backgrounds, like, can be very diverse, more diverse than we recognize. Or if they're not, that also tells us a different story of what 
was present in a society and maybe what kind of um had I was about to throw a hegemonic <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, there's no need for hegemonic in this conversation, but like the kind of, you know, um, you know, dominating perspectives on um, mm-hmm. what one should be and what one can access if you um, maintain a certain level of purity or preservation and anger right. to get access to that. So it's, right. we, I, I don't know, like, we, we do kind of, we need the messiness. We need to acknowledge the messiness yeah. and understand why we're so um, invested in that purity of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful point. You know, that's a powerful point because when, you know, notions of notions of purity, when did they come on the scene? And of course, some people trace that back to, you know, the end of the 15th century after the after the conquest of, uh, of, of Granada from um you know, and then looking at this whole Olympia de Sangre thing, then then that, but you know, it's like, well, lot point back, and as you were saying, we can see, well, they were utilized for some sort of political purpose, and some sort of historical, some sort of religious, some sort of all of those together purpose, and, and we can conceptualize the world without them, you know, we can conceptualize, you know, it's 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 very interesting, you know, it. You know, now you have, you know, several people who were in the place that we now know as Africa who were taken there and some who may have already been in the places we now know as the Americas. And now they were called black, but they but they didn't see themselves. And even and even and even and even and even people from who 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 came to these regions from India were called that. And those who were there were called that at one time. You know, and it's like that's that's interesting. And now this becomes an identity. And and it's not just that. There's several things that we do that with, but it's very interesting that well, these things to go back to the conversation about jobs and about okay, well now this thing, this title becomes you. You know, and and the defense I was just at, um, from uh, my good friend Tamisha Tyler at Fuller, who was doing a dissertation on Octavia Butler's work in process theology, um, is pointing out, you know, how Octavia really messes up these notions of, well, you're this or you're that, because for, for, for Butler, this is, that is the other, you know, and, and this is, that is the other really means nothing because there's nothing there, there's, 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 there's something that really is beyond definition. And so, yeah, it really, it really gets when one places their identity around these things, you know, not to say you should or shouldn't, but it ask, it ask us a question. Well, what is that serving? Yeah. Again, again, hegemonic to go back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, um, you know, the people who police that too, like, oh, you need to always be this at all the time. And I'm like, no, like, it's messy, right? Like, we, we got these multiple identities and we are going to perform them. And like, th- different ones of them are going to be activated in different spaces. Like, you know, right now, going through like my big feminist, like, mm-hmm. woman curated. <laughs> with everything that's happening in, in um, the United States. And what I'm finding really interesting is um, all the new commercials that have emerged for pregnancy tests and plan B, right? Like people are like really upping it to like make sure that people know what your options are, but then it's also like, you know, you gotta be able to profit off it a little bit. Um, but, you know, right now, um, this is the identity that's, um, I feel compelled to act on. 
the most at the moment, right? which will be like backstage to another moment um, later, that's right. right? Like, that's right. And, and that's okay. That, there's nothing disingenuous or inauthentic about that. Um, yeah. It's yeah. the reality of being a person. Like you're not always the same person. Right. Right. Or if you are, that is, please see me in office hours and <laughs> let's have a conversation. <laughs> right, right. Let's let's play like we're let's play like you and I were both were trained to be counselors for just for just ten minutes, and let's see if we can <laughs> we can he can help you. <laughs> in reality, we know we're doing that work, just not trained. Right, we are. Like, we are. Like, real. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. That is, yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's it's so, it's, and I, I, oh yeah, because even, you know, and I'm sure you came into, came into, well, I'm, I'm damn sure you came into contact with, you know, you know, dealing, dealing with communities from Guyana um, and other places in the place, and then the region we now know as the Caribbean, you know, one of the, one of the major, one of the universal means of communication is Creole you know, different, different types of Creole. And, and, you know, it, your, your family may speak several languages, but everyone comes together in that, you know, and, and who are you when you're speaking Creole? You know, it's, 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 mm -hmm. it's, you know, you know, not that you're a different person than your East Indian ancestry or your mestizo quote unquote ancestry or um, your, and your ancestors that may come from the places we now know as Ghana or Angola, out of the places where this, where these languages come from, or your Spanish ancestry, your French ancestry, whatever it is, what are you when you when you're speaking Creole? You know, and uh -huh. what you know, it's it's really because at least from from my from my experience, yeah. Once again, you know, people don't people don't see it as okay. Well, this well, there's this part of me, and there's that part of me. Well, these will all these all these parts are really a functioning becoming. And so it's like, well, yeah, this is just the way it happens, you know? It is what it is. Like, um, it doesn't mean in that moment of uttering um, and speaking in Creole that, you know, you're not any other identity, right? Like, That's right. Um, the code switching, right, that happens um, mm -hmm. For, for various different communities um, is a great example of that. Like um, you can tell when someone is speaking to someone um, who they might be and where they're connected and when that connection would be. So like um, with Guyanese folks, like, um, you know, when there are with other Guyanese, like the Creole comes out and the accent comes out, um, but then when they're not, they speak in a different way. Like it's just, mm -hmm. it's you know. I think another reason why like um, language is so important to pay attention to, um, and how you can you can hear that that relation and that comfort, and um, it you know becomes a way of like claiming a history, um, a kinship, an identity. Um, but you know, it's also maybe something like if someone does not grow up in that, right? My cruel is bad. Like I cannot, no way, don't have that accent, don't understand a lot of it. But if I got to that level and I spoke that, mm -hmm. 
what could that mean for me? Right. Right. Could I, could I, could I like claim to be Guyanese and have gone like properly native as I've been trained to do as a culture anthropologist? Probably not, but maybe for some folk, right? For some folk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the playing, the playing of cards, you know, the playing of, because there was an instance, I wasn't actually in Claremont. I was still in, still in grad school there. And I was walking down the street with a friend of mine. And I heard these women speaking. They were going back and forth between Creole and Spanish. And I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, the day, the day from Belize. And my friend listening, I'm like, he's like, like, no, I feel I, I think they're from Mexico. I'm like, trust me, they're from Belize. So, so, so I went up and I talked to the lady, both of them, and they were like, yeah, 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 you know, from, from Belize, yeah. So, so, the lady winds up the ladies. One of the ladies knew my uncle, you know, and and like, oh, that's you, like, you like, you know, like, nah, I'm in a police officer, nah, man, I'm like, yes, that's he. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, yeah I know your uncle. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, this, this for for my friend, he, he was like. He, he didn't know what to do with that, you know, and, and, and he, and, and, and for, and through no fault of his own, you know, um, but he was like, yeah, well, this is, well, he said, okay, well, they have to be this or that. And I'm like, and no, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Okay. But yeah, it's just, but I think the Caribbean as a site, it just really plays with all of this, you know, it plays with all of this. And it's it's always at play. I mean, even even Creole. I mean, so many languages are in Creole. You know, it might it, 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 it might it, it might in some way seem to somebody as, a, as what's the, what some may say broken English, but you, you could say it's 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 broken Yoruba. It's 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 French. It's Spanish. It's Maya dialects, depending on where you are. It's 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 words that come in from India. It's mm-hmm. all of these things. It's words that come in from China. You know, it's yeah. It's, it's everything. It's, it's who everyone is, right? Like it captures that forced history of migration. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, the, the, the merging and resilience of different communities. It creates something that is, it captures so many things and it's not going to be like, you know, hearing Creole is about shared victimization no like there's more going on there um i think the more time i learned from this community the more messy and complicated it gets and the more that i'm starting to let go of needing to have like these are the metrics that i'm going to use to define and measure someone or something or um be able to define something as something else. Like it's everything, mm-hmm. and and many times it defines um, definitions because you can't like easily say, okay, it's fifty percent this, thirty percent that, and you got, you got yourself something Guyanese. Like no, right. Right. Um, and if we're if I or anyone else tries to like you know put like a numeric value or in in that you're we're failing to understand what it is. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I still, you know, thinking of what realization that process is and what it might mean in terms of ultimately something gets mixed into something else. It's like, no, everything gets mixed together. That's right. And ceases to 
be the original thing it is something else right but also the need to recognize the origins of what's in there but not in a manner to be like you know this is really like the Caribbean is really about blackness or it's really about you know um indigeneity it's where it's really about indianness like right right it it shouldn't be that way and right it shouldn't be studied in that way and i you know i think like for myself i recognize and i'm currently trying to dismantle like the problematic assumptions that i had <laughs> as i was writing my dissertation and what i've done to like perpetuate that notion of as someone who um did train in um south asian studies primarily and then transition into asian american studies like i am working from a position of asianness and how that centering of asianness failed to make to fail to really um reckon with the guyanese-ness as an instance or the real caribbean-ness right mm -hmm. of something like everything seems to fall back when i think about it upon my analysis of notions of Indianness and Hinduness, which was about like dismantling like that's really not the issue is but mm -hmm. also that was a problematic way of structuring um the study to like center india and hinduism in that manner um and it's really about decentering those kind of ideas like how do you lean into that cruelness um to best represent this community mm -hmm. but also not to like diminish you know their indianness and hinduess frame right but also <laughs> that's not something that we need to be assessing but also <laughs> i don't know yeah i'm, I'm still this, this is why i haven't written the book <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, I think you have. Um, I, I, I'm just being. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just having foresight right now. I think you have. Like, I think. I think. I think. Some. Sometimes, you know. Um, I think we figure out stuff. We just don't know how, how to say it sometimes. Um, so you know. Um, so I, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the case. And sometimes, kind of perfecting the language of it, may you know. But yeah. Yeah, but I mean, did you ever see this? This reminds me of um, this conversation which you bring up. Did you ever see? Um, there's a voice and Kess video. Um, Trinidadian um, soca musicians. They had a thing that they did with um, this guy Peter Menchal, who is um, a carnival leader from Trinidad, and he has this whole thing. Mm. This thing. He's, he's um, and it's a poem that they put along with that song. Um, and I. I think the song is called Dear Promoter. But yeah, he says this thing, you know, I'm not East Asian, I'm not European, I'm not Amerindian, I am none of these things. I'm all of these things. I am a I am a I am a Caribbean, you know, and he goes through this whole poem about that and just and he says, Well the, he says the the Caribbean is um the Caribbean is a sea. I am a speck in it much blood has been spilled on this land and and then he just goes and then just i am a caribbean doesn't try, i'd have solved this shit like 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 no okay well now we're gonna fight no much blood has been spilled here i am a caribbean and and the video is so dope because it has so many elements of not just trinidad but of, but uh, but of several parts of the caribbean mm -hmm. and just kind of illustrating you know who's there 
and it's I, I'm gonna send that to you. Please I send that to me. It. I would love that. Like, um, you know, because you know I've, I've been hanging out with them temple people too much, so I haven't done you know, <laughs> 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 like climbing and, and listening to Soka Jenny and all the good stuff. But I, no. uh, I am, I am starting to like. Um, learn more about um the politics that happen in music especially with that tension between black and um asian communities both in guyana and trinidad and like mm -hmm. um the role that popular music plays right and yes um solidifying those like you know um relationships of friendship and family that are present but then also antagonizing it right like mm -hmm. uh yeah Right. Um, yeah. I, I know, like during moments of um, elections back, like in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of like ethnic-driven um, soca chutney <laughs> music that was very anti-black, anti-Indian, um, blaming um, each other for what was wrong with um, the nation. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of like, yeah, like, let's talk colonialism like give us that. like yeah. that's what the blame word is like but um yeah like it's right that that's another reason why like music is so um fascinating and interesting to look at because like we see these tensions present but then you know you have moments like that where it's you know like japanese like real unity like trying to highlight the fact that that indian is not black we're all like caribbean together right um people who are right. trying to sing of right. our common history and I need to move beyond that. Um, mm -hmm. Lean into that messiness mm -hmm. at a great beat. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, what better way to do it? Like, you know, what, what better way to do it? I have a cousin who's a, he spins everything from like soca to punta to um, to dance hall to, to reggae. Um, you know, a better reggaeton, um, everything. And it's, it's like, and I'm trying to be like him because, you know, he's, it's, it's, but yeah, it's, it's like, but no, this, what you're, what you're saying here is so key because in this music, there is this sense of, you know, the shared identity, but then it, there's also, there's also the, okay, well, you know, these people do that and that people do that. And then it's, it's said, it's said in a jokey joke kind of way, like they want to run joke, but it's not, but it's, but let's, what we've had, we have to think beyond that. You know, and kind of see, yeah. Well, in this realm of, and, and, and this realm of what we call, you know, alter and beliefs that we know, we only one. In in the realm of that, what other kind of silent silent attacks are going on, and how do we, and how do we perpetuate that? I mean, there's something I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm not even gonna say some lyrics I'm thinking of right now, some things you know, because it's just like yeah, yeah. Why are we still doing that? and the way that um like artists themselves get like um pigeonholed right like we talk about like our own like struggles with who we are and what we can do based on the identities that get ascribed to us by society and our families and whatnot mm -hmm. artists man i'm so bad for artists like um yeah you know um all that time in the temples right a lot of the people i got to meet many of them were um artists like people who grew up singing or dancing in the temples and you know if they decided to go that route and become like you know professional artists in, in their own right 
um, there really isn't a lot of space for them to do something that's like um, honoring all the different um, art forms, like um, genres that they um, consumed when they were younger, um, heard when they were younger. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, you have to do Indian stuff, right? Right. Like you, especially if you're someone who got trained in like quote unquote classical Indian art, it's like, Mm -hmm. um, you can only do classical Indian dance. You can only do um, Indian, you can only sing Indian music. If you want to do something that's like, hey, I want to become a Soko Chutney. Right. <laughs> like, there's not really that much room for you to do that. If you do, you're not, if you're a woman, you're not a proper girl. Um, but, you know, if you do do it, like, there are certain things that you have to be like uber Indian if you're doing like, a traditional chutney song, but if you're doing soca chutney, you have like a little bit more um, flexibility in how you dress and what you sing about. But ultimately, you are limited in what your audience is willing to let you perform. That's right. And what you can be commercially successful with, and I think um, that's a shame for mm -hmm. you know. And I think that kind of goes beyond like the Caribbean, right? Like we see that in the U.S., we see that everywhere, like. Mm -hmm. uh, what you're perceived as is this is the only thing that you can do. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens in, I would say some distinct ways in the Caribbean. Yeah. But it, but, but it does happen everywhere, you know, to where, you know, and yeah, politics working to where, well, this is the role that makes the most sense for you to play. Therefore you need to play that role you know and and there's no kind of um wiggling around it um i think i th i think um and th this is and sheila bring is not from the caribbean um as far as i know but i but i mean what she does in kind of you know bringing traditional indian music in with different elements you know um it's kind of is i think really dope really though mm -hmm. even though a lot of it stays close to you know what she was what, what she was trained in in her in, in her in her upbringing but it does it does play with several parts from other and, and and i would say that it's certainly a mescla in that way it's certainly caribbean in that way you know that and and things like that you know mm -hmm. yeah like you know like the the big delivery of the caribbean right is this appreciation of it's complicated, it's messy, people come together and everything gets mixed up and it creates something new, right? And so right. this notion of authentic um, fixed culture does not exist, right? right? And we can kind of start to accept that in the Caribbean, but for some reason, like that general message, right? Which is yeah, also yeah. a big thing in the in culture anthropology. Like we loved and continue to love to um, study the Caribbean because so yeah. close for an American anthropologist and you know like <laughs> yeah most of the time you don't have to learn a language right and so we've got lots and lots of scholarship from like the 1800s on on the Caribbean for that reason sure but that simple message of it's messy it's complicated um things get mixed culture is mixed it's yeah. dynamic um right. we have to keep we need to keep learning everywhere like this is this is the, there's a particular history in the Caribbean, right? But yeah. that notion of mixture is present everywhere. Right. Yes. And that's right. I think, like that's something 
the Caribbean helps us to appreciate and starts mm -hmm. to like to understand like how mixedness is present in US culture, how mixedness is present in mm -hmm. you know Europe, right? And in Australia and in right. South Asia, wherever it might be. Um, there's a lot more different types of people, histories of migration, complicated um, dynamics of different people coming together and dominating or not dominating each other um, that shapes the categories we have, who the people are, and the culture that emerges from that, and what That's is right. valued and not valued. And going back to that notion of like, um, purity and messiness, like, right, right, everything's messiness. Yeah, everything's messiness, you know, in terms of like messiness, um, in your in your experience with um, Guyanese food that has elements from India, mm. what was your what was your take? On that? I love the temple food. It's amazing. <laughs> um, it's it's innovation. That's what it is, right? Like it's same but difference, mm -hmm. and a fascinating um mixture of different things like everyone eats the chow mein which i adore like mm. guys chow mein is like the best thing ever and it comes in vegetarian form if you need to like fast if you're going into temple but then you can get you know some chicken in there for whatever you want right <laughs> like right yummy with the spices and we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for chinese um indigenous laborers coming in and like bringing that innovation in um everyone loves right. a roti the roti um, yes yeah gotta love the roti the different types of roti and everyone has like um their opinion of what makes a good roti or roti so i remember again i love hanging out with um elderly older people and yeah uh, one of my things to do when i was out in the field was hang out at an adult day center and there was a lovely guyanese woman who uh, when she came to the u.s she worked as a nanny for an indian um family. And this is something that actually does happen a lot of um, Indians from India um, hiring um, Guyanese and Trinidadian Indians in New York City to be nannies for their um, children, right? So it's kind of like a kin, a kindness, right? Like a, a kinship there that's happening, like it's through Indian together, but slightly different. So it works out. And um, this Indian family loved her roti. And it's like amazing roti, but they've never had something like it before. And she's like, you know what the secret is? Let me tell you the secret. <laughs> Pillsbury Oliver Sour. <laughs> <laughs> and when I loved it, like um, she told me the story multiple times, which happens quite frequently when you're um, learning from elderly um, yes, members. Um, they're sharing that wisdom as much as they can, but I think it also captures it, right? Like we eat roti in India, but it's different because of what we have access to. And mm -hmm. that all purpose flour is what makes the roti a roti, um, mm -hmm. but also the way it gets um, made um, and who gets to make it. And so everyone eats roti. It's not just an Indian food, it's a Guyanese food. Um, That's right. And then you start having debates of, where did curry actually come from? 
I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm not going to say like Indians brought that to the Caribbean because we know that curry is everywhere. Curry is a constant. Yeah. Um, global cuisine and African right. curry was present before mm -hmm. uh, the Indians came over with adventure. So I'm not going to say what um, curry number one was, but everyone makes mm -hmm. the curry chicken and has stories about what makes it. Um, but it's different from what I grew up with and so mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of working with this community were these moments where we compared indianness right like does this mm -hmm. does this curry kids like their curry and like no no it doesn't um and be like do you do do you do your prayers like this i'm like no no i don't <laughs> and what that meant right um, for yeah. people um right but it's 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 different like um, it's, it changes because of the way people moved and everyone cooks it now, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to make cook up rice, which is yes. fine. Yes. I don't know how to make cook up rice, but it's a mixture of lots of other things, right? That, that, that's right. Around. Um, and so it's what doesn't seem to like go together, but it does. And it's comforting and it, you know, feeds the soul, sustains you. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's another way that Creole comes present, like the appreciation for the Creole cuisine that's right. uh, helps you understand the Caribbean too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Like that's, that's the, that's, I think, and when you break down where food comes from, where, where food in this region of the world, when you break down what's in it, then you see, oh, well, that's that. That's that. You know, and, and you know, I'm I'm even I'm even thinking about our um, empanadas in um, Belize. You know, like they, you know, they're they're elements that are going to come from Ghana. They're elements that are going to come from the Maya who are in the region. They're elements that will come from the East Indian aspects. You know, depending on who's cooking it. You know, I mean, it's the same thing with the rice and beans. The same thing with the um, tamales. The same thing with the stewed chicken. The same thing. You know, like like all of that, you know, and, and um, even in, I know most places in Belize, whether, whether you're um, whatever restaurant you are, whether it's a traditional Belizean restaurant or a Chinese restaurant or, um, or I mean, any restaurant is going to have this onion sauce and this, this, this spicy onion sauce with habanero and all that. And when you go to a Chinese restaurant, they're going to put that on, on anything you buy there. You know, and this is and and it's just so dope. It's so dope, right? you know. But yeah, and one does not become the other, but they exist in this beautiful tension that is just oh man, it's, it's amazing. Like I, you know, I'm in the process of learning a lot more about Chinese migration to the Caribbean and so that phenomenon of the um, Chinese Cuban restaurant, right? Like yes, most of them are. Um, now closed um, in New York City because of the pandemic. But mm -hmm. the way that um, th those restaurants are present and, you know, not just Chinese Cuban, but Chinese American, if you will, restaurants throughout the Americas, the ways those function and the ways the cuisine, cuisine are present aren't actually what I thought they would be, right? Like I thought it was going to be like fusion food, right? Like, right. you know, how are you going to do um rice and beans chinese way that's not what it is 
rather it's you know you have like your Chinese uh, cuisine, your American or your Cuban cuisine, and they're present together. And it's not like mm -hmm. they're separate; they're present together. And you go to like a Cuban Chinese restaurant, and the waiter would be able to speak Spanish. Um, I want to say Cantonese. I'm not entirely sure on that. Um, and English, right? Like, so there's all these different languages that are present. And it's, again, like, maybe also the product of that history of how the Chinese are present in Cuba, are part of Cuba, but then mm -hmm. also not part of Cuba sometimes. Right, 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 yeah. right. There becomes this right, this 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 insular yet 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 exterior type of experience, and that happens in several, you know, other parts of the Caribbean. You know, I mean, even even to go back to soca, it comes up in the soca songs, and people don't necessarily mean anything by it, but it's like, well, you're saying that, mm -hmm. and you have to really think about, well, who told you that? Where are you getting these ideas from? You know. You know, and, I, and I'm not even going to like, again, I'm not, I'm not even going to say the song lyric, but I mean, I'm thinking of song lyrics right now, you know, and thing like, yeah, so, but yeah. You're, uh, do you're, you have like um, podcasts, like footnotes or something? <laughs> you know, like, I <laughs> not appropriate for the podcast, but check out on your own time. <laughs> right, right. Check this, check this song out, you know, and check this, check this song out. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, the it's, comments that we can like deconstruct and be like, "Whoa, what up, people?" Right, <laughs> right. Let's think about this. Let's think about this. Like, why are we? I mean, it's it, it gets so deep because you know, because even in terms of reggae, of course, and especially in terms of dancehall, well, Jamaica, J Jamaica is the origin of this, mm -hmm. you know, and you have people in different parts of the I can say that this and this and this in my experience, you know, well, there's this tension sometime between some Belizeans and Jamaicans. There's this, and this tension is happening while people are listening to reggae music that comes from Jamaica. And it's like, like okay, well, you, well, you say you have, you have, you have, you have an issue with, 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 for, for whatever reason, and that's complex, but everything on your playlist is, is Egyptian, is, I mean, Spraga Benz, is, I mean, the list, the list just go on, but you don't see it, but you don't see anything, you don't see a disconnect with that, you know? You don't, you don't. Mm. Yeah. yeah I don't know who's like policing and contributing to our perception of like, this is how it should be. Right. That was those people. Right, <laughs> right. What's up with that? <laughs> Not okay with silencing, but those people. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah, we can make an exception for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll create a list. I'll, I'll curate it. I, I have the expertise to do that. <laughs> Don't let me do that. <laughs> okay, now I want you to do it. Now I'm gonna. Now I'm. Now I'm gonna. I'm not gonna bug. I'm. I won't stop bugging you until I get it. All right, well, <laughs> stay tuned. I, 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 and then we'll share it with the listeners. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then your your podcast gets cut um, because of that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and then the center for process today said, "Yeah, we can't we can't sponsor this anymore. We're done." <laughs> we're done. <laughs> 
they've 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 let me get away with a lot, so I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm. <laughs> Do they like um list, like listen to review to let, review the episodes through? They let you publish it, or just like whatever. This is your show. Actually, no. They 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 don't. They just they 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 let me. Um, they don't really say too much. You know, they just allow me. And I mean, I of course do things that. I believe are uplifting and things of that nature and things I think are, are, are progressive and stimulate thought, but I take some risks too. Like, I ain't gonna say I don't. And, they, and, 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 and yeah, they've been gracious. So shout out to the center for process studies. If you, if you're listening, which I know you are. <laughs> so, so, so. And everyone's a fan of it. If they're listening to this podcast, there you go. <laughs> that's right. And if not, you should be. You should be. <laughs> Because all the knowledge the roof is dropping, like, come on, you don't want to miss this. And you know, we're going to have to have you back again to talk about the book when it's, when it, when it's done. When it's done. Are so. we over the book? Shouldn't I just like put together a performative arts piece? <laughs> like, That'd be, that would be good too. That'd be good. <laughs> I know. No one wants to read a book. Like, I, I can't get any of my students to read a book. I don't want to read a book. <laughs> yeah yeah i like books a lot but during shoot during the summer it's hard for me and it is just full disclosure during during the summer like i like i'll take like i'll leave my house and i'll take like a, about like seven eight books on my bag most of the time i don't read any of them i just you know i have good intentions but like you know during the during the summer and like no i don't ah, that felt liberating to say <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's fine. This is a safe space. <laughs> yes, you have to like love books all the time for academics. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Who said we do? Who who said we do? Like you know, it's. Did I uh, ask? This is uh, one of the fun things I have gotten to do. Um, again, hanging out with religious studies scholars is worth that. Um, dear colleague and friend of mine had like a blog, and so she. Back when Never Have I Ever, the uh, Mindy Kaling show um, came out, um, she like contacted me and a couple of her other friends from Asian American religions was like, hey, let's watch it and write about it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I was already going to do that, but now I can like be a nerd about it. Yeah. Right. right. So, yeah, um, I do like academics hot takes on like movies series i don't want to i don't want book recommendations like i'm surrounded by books yeah <laughs> i can barely read them for work <laughs> just said that but um yeah i want to i want to hear what people are watching and why they're watching it because it's usually like fascinating i never thought about it that way yeah yeah it's a good point it's a really yeah. good point so yeah. yeah don't don't you be reading you got summer <laughs> yeah i guess i guess i just keep what i keep doing i've been doing you know looking at looking at a bunch of art and you know and listening to a bunch of art you know and that's that's what i've been doing so yeah been... that's a perfect summer it is it is like it's just can't can't ask for better you know you really can you really can so yeah <laughs> So 
So yeah, this has been dope, Rupa. I'm not going to hold you too much longer. Um, but this has been super dope. Thank you for doing this. Um, what, what else I was going to ask you before you before we get out of here? Um, is do you want to give the listeners information about how to get in contact with you or see what you're doing and stuff like that? If you so desire. If not, I get that too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hear you on that. Like, um, I don't have a Twitter following or a Facebook or Instagram or a TikTok. <laughs> Maybe I should invest in that at some time. But um, yeah, like if anyone's interested in learning more, feel free to email me um, at my um, pen email address, which you can quickly find by Google searching me. You yes, can, <laughs> which is. Gotta love the internet for that. Um, I think the other thing I would love to plug is um, <laughs> the Center for Religion and Cities, formerly the Center for the Study of Religion and the City at Morgan State University, which is a really dope research center um, that has been around for four or five years now. Um, that has been doing phenomenal work about um, thinking in how uh, religion and cities are present together, like the relationship between them. It's less about the fact that there's like churches and mosques and temples around the city, but more how religion permeates so much of the city, right? And informs the way that it's structured, the ways that we're in community together. Um, so the center does really great mm -hmm. um, you know, programming, um, they have some really cool projects coming up. They do research fellowships over the summer. So if anyone needs, you know, money to um, fund that amazing research, they should definitely check it out. And you can um, visit them at www.religionandcities.org. Um, but they're pretty cool people over there. So Dope. highly recommend. Dope. I think that's it. Like, Dope. That's a that's did, did it plug. It's, it's a good plug. It's a very good plug. Like <laughs> that's that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Um. So so listeners. Yeah. Make make sure you check out the study for religion and and the city, which I I, I want to talk to you more on offline anyway about. But yeah. I mean, listeners definitely take advantage of that and see what's and and, and see what's popping over there. You know, and contribute to some great work. Definitely. Come on. Most definitely. <laughs> this has been a delight. Thank you for inviting me. This is such a cool conversation. Like, yeah, I could like chat with you for like hours upon hours. So this is this is what we do, right? This is what we do. <laughs> it's 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 always a pleasure, Rufa. It's it's always. Are you coming to AR? Yes, I am. I'll be there in Denver. So are you gonna be Bro, there? I'll be there. I'll be there. You know. I'll All right. There. Are you giving a talk? Down for some time. Yes, let's do that. Let's let's definitely connect. Are you doing anything? Or are you 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 you're just you're just chilling? I'm doing things now. I've I've gotten myself um too much into the in crowd. I thought we talked about this. I thought we I thought we discussed that that that, that this wasn't gonna happen. It happened. And there you have it. Thank you so much to Rupa Pillai for sharing her time with us and giving us an insight into the work she does in the world, not just from the academic perspective, but from the perspective of someone who actually takes serious living in the world and the ways in which 
living in the world is very difficult for many people. Um, so we're grateful for sharing so many things about her research and everything else we talked about. Um, and make sure you check out religionofcities.org to find out more about the beautiful work they're doing there. And if you are happen, if you happen to be at AAR, make sure you check out Rupa's sessions. I know she'd appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of All Things Cosmic. Next time, we are going to have Anyunte and Eleanor Craig. Anyunte is an assistant professor of religious studies at the California State University Northridge, and Eleanor Craig is the program director and lecturer at the Committee on Ethnicity, Migration, and Rights at Harvard. They have a wonderful edited volume called Beyond Man, which interrogate which several authors in the text interrogate the relationship of philosophy of religion to systems of oppression and reimagine how a restructuring of philosophy of re religion may allow us to reconceptualize what justice can mean in several ways um, and the thinkers who the writers engage with and the writers themselves of this text are amazing so I'm not going to say too much about that because I want you to tune in and listen to Professors Yunte and Craig talk about it. So with that being said, look forward to hearing from them next time. And as always, for Andrew Davis and I, we say thank you. Peace. Thank you once again for listening to All Things Cosmic Philosophy Science Art Brought to you by the Center for Process Studies A relational worldview for the common good I am John Ivan Gill And on behalf of Andrew Davis We'll see you next time Theme music by the extreme on Instagram, the extreme, dx, t r e m e underscore b e a t z.